Easter, that's a weird tradition. Easter, the day Jesus rose from the dead, what should we do? How about eggs? <laughs> oh, well, what does that have to do with Jesus? All right, we'll hide them. <laughs> I, don't, I don't follow your logic. Don't worry, there's a bunny. So they say that you should start your sermon with a joke to keep people's attention. So I figured that guy's like a lot better at telling jokes than I am. Well, good morning, church. So my name is Tim Power. I'm pastor of Modern Worship here at Salem. I want to welcome you and thank you for worshiping with us. Boy, you are a good-looking group. And uh, I want to give you permission to, to compliment my outfit after the service. Because, I mean, I know I look good. But nobody said it to me this morning yet, and I keep on fishing for compliments by telling people they look great. So freedom is there to do that later on. So uh, we, we actually had a, 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 an Easter egg hunt here. Who came to that? Breakfast with Bunny last week. It was really, really awesome. Um, and one of the teenagers was telling me that we had a big group of teenagers who helped out, and thank you if you're one of them. Um, but one of the teen teenagers was telling me that he was helping with the Easter egg hunt, and he was out there, and, and one of the kids picked up an egg and goes, hey, aren't bunnies mammals? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, how do they lay eggs? That one was free, people. Actually, no, it's not. Let's pass those offering plates again, because uh, that was too good. So uh, I want to welcome you again. Thank you so much. You could be a lot of places this morning, but you're worshiping with us, and I want to thank you. You know, I was thinking about that, that Jim Gaffigan uh, clip that I showed. At the end of it, he says something interesting. He says, that's ridiculous. And I think that a lot of us, when we think about this story, so we're talking about this story in the Bible, we think that Easter is kind of ridiculous, we think that Easter actually doesn't make a lot of sense to us in our modern-day American culture. And I want to I I go over this with you. This idea that God made us and that because somehow people decided to disobey God, therefore we were sinners, that we became sinners because of that, and that somehow blood was the only thing that could wash us clean. Let me tell you, I have a son who has near-constant nosebleeds. Blood doesn't wash anything. And I say that because we've spent a small fortune trying to get blood out of things. But now, this, this story of the resurrection basically says that somehow blood was needed to wash us clean. So God sent his only begotten son and that his blood was shed on the cross and that somehow three days later he rose again from the dead. But it doesn't end there. See, that resurrection story is supposed to somehow set us right with God, but it just doesn't make a lot of sense to us in our modern culture. The resurrection story doesn't make a lot of sense, and anybody who has it all together would probably reject this story right off the bat. But, but what if the Easter story isn't for people who have it all together? What if this story is for desperate people? What if this story is actually for people that are broken, that are hurt, that are in need, and they are hanging on by the skin of their teeth? Let me propose this, that this story of Christ's resurrection, this Easter story, doesn't make sense. It makes new. 
I'm going to say that again. It doesn't make sense. It makes new. It means new life, new hope, new purpose for the people that choose to believe in it. Now, of course, it doesn't make sense to us. We live in a culture that values strength, right? We live in a culture that values strength, and yet, how does Jesus win the greatest battle ever won? By dying on a cross. That really doesn't satisfy our modern American definition of winning, right? I have a beef with um, action movies, and I think I've shared this with some of you before, that in action movies, I, I don't like watching them, uh, you Fast and the Furious, those kinds of things, because I always know how they'll end. They always come down to hand-to-hand combat. Think about it. Any movie, no matter what's been going on in the movie, they could have been like the good guy and the bad guy chasing each other around with cars, firing machine guns. How does it end? They always throw down whatever weapon and start fist fighting. Hand-to-hand combat always comes down to that in movies and and action movies, and I don't like that. I feel like I know what's going to come. But why is that that it comes down to -to hand-to-hand combat? Because we live in a culture that values strength, and yet this story of the crucifixion, it's all about surrender. This story about how God chose to save us and set us free is a story of surrender. And I think one thing a lot of people don't get about Christianity is the centrality of surrender. Surrender is so important. See, victory looks like a death on a cross. Overcoming sin, the prescription the Bible gives us for overcoming sin is not pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. It's by declaring your weakness and your need for help. See, that just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It makes new. I want to read uh, the account we have from the book of John right now of this Easter story, this empty tomb story. And just to give you a little context of where we're at, Jesus has just died. He has been in the grave. And we are coming to the third day after that. Now, uh, Think for a second about some of these folks that we're going to encounter. These are followers of Jesus, and think about where they're at right now. Where they're at right now is that they are broken because this this guy who they've been following around, who was their leader, their savior, has been killed. The movement is dead right now, okay? What they've been living for is dead. And here we find ourselves in chapter 20 of the book of John, early in the morning, Of the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Jesus ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, said, they have taken the Lord from the tomb. I want to stop for a second. When it says this, I think this is kind of funny. It says the one that Jesus loved, the other disciple. Do you know who that is? It's John. He's the guy writing this. When you, when you write the book, you can say you're the disciple that Jesus loved. And then um, it says this, they have taken him from the tomb and we don't know where they put him. Peter and the other disciple left to go to the tomb. They were running together, but the other disciple ran faster. Again, that's John. Not only is he the one Jesus loves, but he also runs faster than everybody else apparently. Bending down to take a look, he saw the linen claws Uh, lying there, but he didn't go in. Following him, Simon Peter entered the the tomb and saw uh, saw the linen cloths lying there. 
He also saw the face cloth that had been on Jesus' head. It wasn't with the other cloths, but was folded up in its own place. Then the other disciple, the one who arrived to the tomb first, he's rubbing it in, um, also went inside. He saw and believed. They didn't yet understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead. One of the things that I think is really interesting about this story is this character, Mary Magdalene. Did you see earlier on in that, she's the first one to see the empty tomb, and she is the one that runs and tells the disciples. She is the apostle to the apostles. She is the first one to take that good news that the tomb is empty. I saw, I saw somebody uh, uh, put on Facebook, if we didn't have women preachers, we wouldn't know about the resurrection. She's the first woman preacher, and she's sharing this news. Now, I want to talk for a second about this Mary Magdalene. We don't know a ton about her, but what we do know is the Bible says that she was possessed by seven demons. Now, you think you got problems. She was possessed by seven demons. Now, I don't know exactly what that looks like, and probably in your mind, you've got some horror movie that, that, that you watch sometime that, that that's what that's supposed to look like. We don't really know, but here's what I do know. I do know that she had seven areas of defeat in her life. I know that she had seven areas of shame in her life, that she had seven areas that defined her negatively. Now, it's our tendency as a culture that when somebody has areas of shame and weakness, what do we do? We disqualify them, but that's not how God does it. See, what God does is he chooses this person that we would probably disqualify and say, you get a starring role. You get a starring role in my story, in the, most, in the pinnacle of God's story. I want to ask you something. I, I want you to all think for just a second about what was the central point of your life. Let me ask it kind of this way. What is the defining moment in your life in your past, something that you can look to that really changed everything, that really changed everything for either good or bad, but where you are right now is because of this defining point. I, I was on a pastor's retreat one time with several other pastors. We had a, um, a life coach who kind of came and talked to all the pastors and basically was trying to have everybody write a, a map of their life so that they could kind of have an idea of where they were going to go moving forward. And everybody ended up having about 40 points in their life that kind of defined. So if you can think right now just of one turning point in your life, what would that be? Now, listen, I think a lot of us don't like the central points in our life. I think that there's a lot of people in here who feel defined by shame or feel defined by failure. But here's the really good news about the resurrection. Here's the really good news about the empty tomb. Is that Jesus is inviting you today and inviting me today to make the resurrection the defining point in our lives. No matter where we came from, he says, this can be your new defining point. This can be the turning point in your life. How much better could your life be? If the same power that rose Jesus from the dead, that gave us this empty tomb, was on the inside of you every single day, how would you live better? How could you love better? You could go from desperate to desperately in love. What would that look like in your life?
There's a great quote by Pastor Mark Batterson I want to share with you. He said this, when Jesus walked out of the tomb, the word impossible was permanently erased from your vocabulary. The word impossible was permanently erased from your vocabulary. Now, here's the thing. I am not saying that if you surrender your life to Jesus, if you surrender to this risen Savior, that all your problems are going to go away. In fact, that isn't true. In, in, in the Gospels, Jesus, when he's asking people to follow him, you know what he says? Take up your cross and follow me. That sounds like troubles ahead, right? That sounds like this might get tough, and I want to let you know something. I don't want to be a killjoy. It's Easter morning. We're trying to be happy, but there's trouble ahead. There just is. You will go through the fire. I can promise that. The question is not, will you go through the fire? The question is, who will be with you when you go through the fire? Can you surrender yourself to the risen Lord? Can you make that point, the central point of your life? Because here's the thing. See, your cross is inevitable, but your resurrection is something that you can choose today. The resurrection is something that you can choose today. I'm going to invite our band back up to the stage. And I want you to just take a moment and close your eyes with me. And I want, I want to just say to you right now, I know that it's a tough leap to believe in this idea that this Jesus who died actually really did rise again. It's tough and for some of us, it doesn't make sense, but believe me, it makes new. It can make new in your life right now. What could your life look like if the same power that raised Jesus from the dead was alive on the inside of you? What if you were risen today just like Jesus was risen on that first Easter day? Please stand to your feet with me. Lord God, we want to be a risen people who celebrate a risen Lord. Lord God, I thank you that no matter where anybody came from in this room, whether they feel like the central point of their life is defeat and disappointment, the turning point in their life can be the resurrection. The turning point in their life, the defining point of who they are can be the resurrection if they surrender their hearts to you. So Lord God, we have a moment of surrender right now, a moment of joyful surrender where we say we take your turning point, Lord God. We take your empty tomb, and we want that to be ours, Lord God. We want to run out of empty tombs like you did. We want to live better, Lord God. We want to love better because of what you've done, and we thank you that we can be risen along with you. We pray this in your glorious holy name. Amen. Amen.